Did you? Or I have not yet. I think it's I think it's maybe um my book club book for next month. Where so cute. there's currently debate in the chat as to whether we're doing that or the Julia Fox memoir. And I sort of feel uh, like I've maybe gotten everything out of the Britney Spears memoir from how much I've seen about it on social media, but it's also <laughs> short, so I'm like I would read it anyways. Yeah, well I was gonna do that for my love it or hate it, so Oh okay. I don't wanna, like, okay, too okay much so away. we won't talk more about it. But I will say that it because it's Halloween also. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of my friends who is black and his boyfriend is white, they dressed up as Genuine and Justin Timberlake for oh, wow. Halloween. I was like, this was a <laughs> really quick turnaround, <laughs> but it was a great costume. And they made a funny yeah, video. That's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> they really, you know, they didn't let that sit at all because that was like day up. Yeah, yeah, like wow. the day before. What? Yeah, very impressive. Quick, quick turn. Do you feel around. like your costumes held up? Do you feel proud of what you accomplished? I do. I do. I feel okay, like good. they they were good. I think that this year, in comparison to last year, my costumes were a little bit more niche, mm-hmm. which I think is yeah. is good and bad. Like you don't like. I think a lot of people were like, "What the heck is going on here?" But then the people who like got it, got it. Yeah, Where last yeah. year I was Euphoria and Recess and Wednesday Adams, and it's like, okay, yeah, those are yeah more in the zeitgeist. Yes, in the zeitgeist. <laughs> Where this year I was Angie K from the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, which the comments on that were insane. They were like everybody was obsessed with it, but I think. The vast majority of people don't watch that show and don't know who she is, even if like, like you, you, she's new <laughs> this season. So it's like, even if you've watched past seasons, it wouldn't be like applicable. Right, right. And yeah. it was related to one specific episode. Yeah. Um, no, I watched the clip. I mean, yeah. Excellent execution. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And then, yeah, and then I did Talk to Me, which I thought I did a really good job with. But I think that less people saw that movie than I thought had as well. Mm, yeah. Because yeah. I was, like, carrying it's the tough. hand around and people were like, what, is, like, what are you, like a zombie like, or sir? something? Um... <laughs> and I was like, no, it's like this hand and then you hold it and you say, talk to me. And then you get inhabited by a dead body. Like, you know, the works. It happens. But it was Did good. you see a lot of Barbies? I know you were really scared well, of that. Well, I... I actually feel like people pivoted from that because I feel like this <laughs> summer I I heard so many people talking about how they were going to dress as Barbie and I saw a lot less of that than I thought I was going the to. The SAG after rules. You're just surrounded the, by The yeah. true, the SAG after rules. <laughs> Everybody was obeying that. Yeah. Not a Barbie in sight. No free publicity for Warner Brothers. No, this this is my new favorite thing to track 
the last couple of years, within the gay community, every year there is some costume that, like, a lot of people dress up as, but doesn't connect to anything in the zeitgeist. And I'm always confused as to like the group think that happens. Like a couple of years ago was Lola Bunny. Last year was Danny Phantom. This year, so many people dressed up as the mom from Family Guy. <laughs> and like, like I have like four or five different people I follow on social media, gay guys, who dressed up so as funny. the mother from Family Guy. And I'm like, how... I'm like, where did this inception point come yeah. from? Like, what group chat like, decided this, and why weren't you a part well, of it? Well, no, not like they weren't like friends with each other. It's just like, did we have a Family Guy rewatch this year that I don't know about? <laughs> like, was this costume readily available online? Like, how did this happen? You know? Yeah, that's funny. Because I, you think you got an original take and then boom, someone right. shows up in the same look. But it's like, it's not like at, you came as Princess Diana or something, you know, that like everybody right. dresses up as normally. It's like, I have, like, have I seen that costume before <laughs> recently? I don't think so. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, very odd. Well, but someone will have to let us know. Did you, you dress up at all? Comments. No. No, no, no. Did Penny I'm dress always, up? I'm always the lame. I've never been like a big Halloween person, but also technically for children, Halloween is Tuesday. So, oh, I guess Penny that is will true. dress up. Okay. Penny is going as Mirabelle. So, from the Encanto. Yeah. Did she do that last year? Is she this was a, a duck last year. No. <laughs> Somebody's baby was that last year. Oh, everyone. It is an easy costume. It's a Just know, the little glasses. You know, target, one. She's the main girl, yeah. right? No. Uh, Mirabelle's like the main character. She's the one with no gifts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The main girl. Not mean. mean. Oh, sorry. I thought you yeah. said mean. <laughs> oh, are you going to go as the um, evil grandmother? No, I didn't get a costume. Um, is Rob going to go as Bruno? No, he didn't get a costume either. Oh. I, I don't know when family... I don't know. We, we'll have to like really try one day but this time didn't feel right you know it's okay. like i don't care she doesn't care that much it'll be a miracle if she even wears the costume the whole trunk or treat she's going to mm. we'll see it doesn't matter um <laughs> but yeah no i ha i'm not really tuned into the halloween i i feel like it was low-key this year relatively because it wasn't yeah. like celebrities were getting together at big old parties well, that i saw but i do think that some Sometimes celebrity costumes come out on Halloween. Mm, like Halloween yeah, for true, plebs are done basically because like yeah. I, like who's going out to a big party on a Tuesday? But the rich people who don't really have jobs, I feel like sometimes their parties are That's on true. actually Halloween. And last mm. year Halloween would have been on a Monday or a Sunday. I think it was on a I Sunday. No so like maybe – that was like it all sort of fell together better where this year it's uh, spread out a little bit more so maybe we still have some of those costumes coming but yeah 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 my halloween is done yeah <laughs> well i mean i i don't really know where to start this week but um i felt like we should acknowledge hassan minhaj's um what would we call it like response video to the new yorker article 
Oh, I, I didn't see this. Did we talk we about We did talk about this yeah, okay. on the podcast. Yeah. There's that big hit piece where it's like he lies, he makes up these stories, and he calls it like emotional truths, but then it costs real people through these It's like, like his daughter was like rules. shot at or something, but it wasn't. <laughs> Anthrax scare yes. and the, the prom because of a miscommunication that he presented as a racism like affront day of. And so anyways, that was like a month ago, but he he released like a 20-minute video of bringing the receipts as as the kids say, well, as the oldies say now. Um and I watched it and I think it's like true. It seems like there was I I don't know. It's kind of interesting because the pieces that stood out to me were yeah, this tendency for him to embellish a point at whatever cost necessary to get what to what he calls the joke, even though, you know, racism isn't really the joke. It's like the emotional um, groundwork for his like, I don't know, jokey elements. But there, the article also talked about like, you know, his trustworthiness as a comedian and then also as a political commenter. And so his his video follow-up was basically about his comedy. So he didn't go into like the accusations of like – he really was emphatic that whenever he's in the political commentary chair, whether on his Netflix special or on The Daily Show, the truth always comes first. He's always like it, very focused on verifying, fact-checking, details, blah, 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 blah. So he he draws a clear line there and he's like, I want to talk about comedy because that's something completely different in my mind. And so he kind of like proves his argument that while yes, the girl didn't dump him on the prom day, it was because of race and that he never doxed her or outed her or used her real name in any of the comedy and that she was fine with it and that she acknowledged this and like, you know, had some emails that sort of corroborated it. So all in all, it seemed to do, it seemed to prove his side where it's like, yes, maybe I didn't use like it wasn't a literal diary entry of what happened, but it wasn't like I was making stuff up either. I faced racism in these experiences. I faced fear, you know, public, whatever. And this is all real. And I like, you know, like good for him. I feel like it's hard to, you know, be a celebrity and have your words twisted or like have this like, oh, you're canceled and then like be like vindicated in some way. And, and I don't know if this will impact his career long term. I know he's been up for the Daily Show full-time desk job. Um, and so I, I imagine the New Yorker did not help that. And it seems like this video was very much focused on maybe <laughs> auditioning for that, cleaning the slate a bit for that. Um, so yeah, it was kind of interesting. I I feel like it's weird to think of the New Yorker not doing their research. And he's he insists that he sent all these like, emails and proof and whatever. But then the New Yorker came out with their response and was like, um, we stand by our story. Everything we wrote was um, fact-checked, carefully reported. It's based on interviews with members of his staff, his security, people who were the, been the subject, including the people who in the original piece were like, yeah, I didn't like that he did this. And so I don't know, like with most things, it seems like the truth is somewhere in between where it's like, maybe we were too quick to accept the New Yorker's um, perspective on Hassan as like fact. But it also seems like 
you know, the, <laughs> the essence is still there. And it's really just a matter of whether or not you care that your comedians embellish the truth, to what degree you're willing to allow it to, you know, so it's sort of like, I don't know, I just feel like I end up in the same place where it's like all celebrities are kind of like, they all kind of suck. And it's just a matter of what you're willing to put up with. And so it's yeah. like, I don't think he's the worst, but it's, I don't think it necessarily like, salvaged everything from the piece for me so well because there's also like the the Lizzo stuff is ongoing yeah and she just submitted um a motion to get her, that case put out of court that has statements from a bunch of her uh current and past employees so yeah, so, yeah it's like uh with all of these things like do I think that the celebrity I guess the I guess the thing that a lot of celebrities do is that they just sort of think that they're above things or that they're not necessarily being super thoughtful about stuff. And I think some of yeah. that comes from the fact that they're a celebrity and, you know, they're they're busy and they have other people doing things. I think some of it also comes from priv- a privileged point of view, but just that once you get to that point, they kind of are working on cruise control to a certain degree and then Mm. somebody comes along and you know finds these things that they've done that were not great but it's like to what extent was it malicious to what extent was it just sort of negligence to what extent is it other people trying to take advantage of them because you know they know it'll get a headline Mm. or that they can get money out of like i don't know there's so many gray areas Well, exactly. Like he posted a couple like clips of the actual interview with the New Yorker reporter. And it's like, it seems like it's a, like you're, you know, kind of a perception issue where he did seem sort of flippant, like, oh yeah, that's a non-issue. Like, yeah, yeah, it wasn't real, but it was like racism. And so if you're a reporter going into it and you already have like your story about like, oh, this is what the people say. And this guy is acting so flippant and like whatever about it, then you're not really going to listen to his reasoning because you already have your perception. And then he's like, oh, this isn't a big deal. So like, I don't even need to really emphasize this again or explain myself because it's like obvious. And so it seems like it seems to me the more (laughs) and maybe this is overly generous to the New Yorker, but it seems like maybe there was just, you know, they only have so much time with this person. The questions, they're not going to give away what they're hoping to get from him. So it's just like, oh, well, did you, do you feel like that was not truthful? And he's just like, no, I mean, it's like emotionally true, you know? And so then you can edit that. And so it's like, yeah, I, I don't know if it's all nefarious on either side. It just seems like a perception issue. The thing that I always find so interesting about those kind of interviews and I guess like if you're a journalistic outlet like the times maybe it's different than if you're like an entertainment outlet like me but I do interviews all the time with people and like their PR people are always on the interview and lots of times they'll send you emails afterwards that are like hey actually don't print this or this is a correction on this point so I feel like to sort of sneak something by somebody is tricky um and yet i think it does sort of require some of like like you have to be really subtle kind of in those interviews um because you if you ask something if you push too hard or you ask something that the pr reps or the person like doesn't like then you're not going to get another interview like that i guess if you're the times like and you're doing investigative stuff like maybe that's slightly different um but i just can't i'm sort of like what 
situation was he in that he was like able to give these quotes that they were able to take yeah like, why he shows like how somebody... some of them were trimmed yeah and taken out of context and like yeah the media is always biased like any sort and like that's like you know a good reminder that you can't just always jump at it because you know it's a it's the new yorker and not you know tmz but but yeah there is like the kernel of the truth is still there which is he presented these things as factual and it's like a blurred line when he's using it, not just to make a joke or set up a joke, but like actually curry, you know, sympathy or or to talk about real issues like racism and whatnot. So yeah. it's like, I don't, yeah, I never thought like he was evil or canceled, right? So it's like, this doesn't really change things for me, but it does seem to change things for a lot of people and a lot of people are back on his side and I'm sure that feels good for him. So. Well, yeah, and I think the most interesting thing is will he get this yeah. daily show <laughs> slot because they're just like cycling through a bunch of random people now and I feel yeah. like he was like sort of the obvious person to take that job, but now mm-hmm. that he maybe isn't available, but maybe he is, unclear. Um well, I'm shocked that you did not lead with the <laughs> Taylor Swift 1989 release speaking that we know that it's not going to be your love it or hate it. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, well, it's on my list. I knew oh, we'd okay. get to it. I just like, you know, I wanted to do due diligence okay, and like gotcha. report, okay, thank you know, you. give an update. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Journalistic integrity here. Exactly. Yes, we have to put the important uh, stories first, which yeah. was full shizzle, full shizzle, genuine, and then yeah, yeah. this, and then yeah. we'll get to Taylor Swift singing exactly. slut. Yeah. Um, actually, I did not uh, listen to this. Uh, oh. <laughs> I did not listen to this album. I uh, Well, that's the other thing. I was like, well, what does Matt really want to know about 1989 TV? I don't know. Well, I, you know, I just sort of want to know, like, is there any juicy gossip? Did mm-hmm. we get any reveals well, of actually, anything in stories? Like, was... Is, I don't is know Taylor if Swift saw. gay? Like, that's, that's no. the kind so of that's, thing I'm interested that's in. That's where we're coming to, because... She, you know, in her album, everyone has like a little note in their, you know, the album liner note, like where they, like the prologue or whatever, where they write a little bit about like, oh, like I love my album, like please listen type thing. And so she, in these Taylor's versions, has written like sort of long form essays about, well, short form essays about like what that time of life was like and what it means to own the music again. And, you know, they're usually pretty innocuous, whatever, cheesy. This one was pretty long and it was about how the media was like slut shaming her at the time. And it was like really hard um, to feel like any time she went anywhere, had a friendship or a dinner or, or was seen next to a guy, it was just like slut shame city type thing. And she makes a comment in this that completely sent the internet of us like the Gaylers, the Hetlers, everyone was losing their minds because she was like, so I thought if I stopped dating and if I just focused on my female friendships, there would be no way for the media to like accuse me of dating them or like sexualize that. And boy, did I turn out to be wrong. And so everyone was like, oh my gosh, she's shutting the Gaylers down. And the Gaylers were like, oh, okay, this is the last straw. Like you can't creep queer baiting us and then try to make us feel like the bad guy by pretending like it's wrong to assume that you might have feelings for a woman and then later in her note she's also like 
she's referencing some of the more popular songs and is like, and for all my fans who like saw the seeds of allyship in Welcome to New York. And so again, iterating like, Wait, I'm why an ally, is that not song an ally. Oh, because she sings girls, because you can want who you want, boys and oh, boys. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I try to, Queer I try to forget queen. that song as much as possible. Um, the New York so, anthem yeah, so, New York does not want. So a lot of people are like, oh, this is like the strongest stance she's taken against like any sort of queer reading of her work or her life. And it's shutting down the gaylers and stuff, which I don't know. You know, Tumblr, I mean, Reddit is just a mess right now. Like the gayler subreddit, the (laughs) Taylor Swift subreddit. They're at war, okay? It is dark times for anyone who was waiting for something some clarity i don't necessarily know if that uh tells us if if that yeah. gives us any information because yeah. i feel like with gay people in general like the you sort of you're you don't like come out until you come out kind of a vibe right um yeah and not that we should necessarily be speculating on people's sexuality but i feel like if you're a billionaire you know like we can sort of do whatever we want and yeah, yeah. um <laughs> and the yeah like she uh, i i think like she is a pr person yeah and she's gonna spin things however she wants to spin it and also like if she wanted to she could come out and make a statement that was like i am not attracted to women yeah she should come out as straight yes i'm only attracted (laughs) to men like whatever like was i wearing bisexual hair like yes, yes. but i i'm not bisexual like i think yeah. but i think that she benefits oh yeah off yeah, of yeah, yeah. which she does in all like she has this down perfectly across all aspects of her career where she says enough to make something a headline to get people intrigued but then never enough that that she can still rely back, fall back on like, well, I never said anything specific. Like, well, I never yeah. actually made a statement. And it's like, okay, yeah. Like we could all tell that these songs are about these people and you, right. but you didn't ever actually say like, you know, Jake yeah, yeah. Hall's a dick. You just sort of like said it, but didn't say it so that you could, you know? So I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's also like, it, it, it's a case of her, maybe arrested development that she hasn't fully processed or figured out how to talk through because she's also like done things like this before like with reputation tv she had i mean with reputation she also had an album note that was like i'm sick of the the um you know close examination and guessing who these songs are about instead of just liking the songs where they are and it's like well girl no you're easter egg queen you like this hunt you have the clues like you can't have your cake and eat it too and pretend like you're the victim right. while also enjoying the the benefit of this sort of like Easter chase. And and then right after Reputation, you know, she or like with Folklore and Evermore, she's like, I can finally like keep my private life private. But then her next album is Midnight's where she's like, let's go through my whole life right. story and see who I had beef with. Um, and that's, I mean, I like it all, but it's silly for her to like take it so seriously at times. And that's not to diminish the fact that during the 2014, the like slut shaming was real. It was exhausting. Like, I'm sure it was. It's an you know that's an annoyance. It's it's annoying to have no personal life and to know that's what you agreed to, but then to have it like turned against you, used against you, weaponized against you, and like you know we just we love that's our society's problem is that 
we want these it girls and then we like to watch themselves like watch us destroy them and so it's like i get the idea but yeah it's like you're you should be you know you're 10 albums into this you're four re-recordings into it you're you've gone through your almost two decade long career like you you know that this is a game so like we have to like stop you either have to stop playing it or you have to stop addressing it as like without really right it's like how many millions of dollars has she it? made off of her fans yeah. who are think that she's a lesbian like that's a whole yeah. <laughs> quadrant of people that it, she's making money off of yeah. like yeah you can't y- y- she's old enough now that it feels like you you can't be getting sort of wrapped up in these sort of things yeah. like you just have just like, like if it's a corner of the internet that thinks that you know you're actually kermit the frog in disguise like sure <laughs> great like you don't need to get upset about that yeah so who knows if she was even thinking like it's like whatever i don't i don't care about how taylor feels about how her music is pursued because she's doing fine she's a billionaire congrats for crossing that threshold like whatever but the album itself was you know fun i think it's doing supremely well no surprise there a lot of critics love the new sound and also the new tracks um i think it's interesting because this was an album that was like the favorite among a lot of fans. And so a lot of, you know, whereas the other stuff that's more like old school, old classic fans, whereas this is the pop era. And so this was when a lot of new people came in. And if anyone newer than this came, this is probably as far back as they listen. Right. And so there's a lot more attention to the differences. Like I think people can spot the difference in production and some of it is like, oh, I hate this style opening. It's so like ugh, overproduced. Jack Antonoff, curse you. I don't really, I mean, I heard the difference at first, but like once you just put it on shuffle, it's like you can't really tell. Like you really can't, I don't think. And then she had the five vault tracks, um, which are fun. I one of the other criticisms around it was that it seemed so like Midnight's style. Like it wasn't, these were new songs. These were, were songs that were supposedly written during 1989, but obviously they weren't produced at that time. And so then her and Jack Antonoff produced them now. And so there's a lot of similarities to Midnight's, including like some like weird background sounds and like, I don't, you know, I don't know musicology, but you know what I mean. Like, just okay. like similarities they, that are like people are like, oh, okay. Um, like the vibe is just different. Just, yeah, it's not nineteen eighty nine energy. Yeah, and so then people were like, well, did she even write these with nineteen eighty nine, or were they Midnight's cast off well, that she's just I popping did, in here? I did listen to the new songs, and oh, you did. and I felt like, yeah. I mean, I wasn't gonna go listen to all the old whatever, yeah, but yeah, I yeah. but I listened <laughs> to the five new songs, and I they didn't they did sort of feel like a little bit more slow and a little bit less like poppy, I guess, than I thought that they were going to be based on 1989. Yeah, so I do, yeah. I, now that you say that, it's like, oh yeah, no, that does, like if I had to slot yeah. them in someplace, I probably would not have necessarily identified them as 1989 songs. Yeah. But, yeah, but she has like, confirmed that they were you know like i think she wrote one with diane warren and diane warren is like oh yeah we started this back in 2014 so they they are literally from 1989 era but they just sound you know they're just overproduced in the you know most recent pop (laughs) right well yeah and it's like if you wrote a song back in like her country era 
then that's still going to be a country song no matter when you produce it. But, like, this is, like, 1989 and Midnight's are, like, similar-ish more. Um, I feel like this has had less fanfare than the previous Mm. ones. Like, did we get any music videos or, like, any sort of starry kind of collab type things? I feel like that the last couple albums have had a lot of different stuff going on. And this was sort of just, like, here's, here's like, five (laughs) new songs and, like, that's it. Bye. Yeah, no, it was it was shocking to fans. They were like, oh, she has to have a secret double album coming out. Like, this is her first Taylor's version with no features. That doesn't make any sense. There has to be a whole other album that she's going to announce. And they were clinging to this, like, even after 1989 dropped on Friday, they're like, okay, Saturday, that 11 on, the, you know, the 89th minute, you know, like, whatever. Mm-hmm. The <laughs> They were like, there has to be more. But then she just is like, here's the Kendrick Lamar verse on Bad Blood. And even still, I think some people are like waiting for the twist. They're like, Harry Styles has to be featured on a surprise track, like coming our way. Double album theory confirmed. And I just think she had fun writing these songs with Jack. Why bring anyone else? Like, I think her and Jack have this little buddy friendship. You know, they're they're like brother, sister to each other. They just love just (laughs) the synergy there is hard to infiltrate and so i just feel like she didn't see a need for features and the the theory is that they're waiting to see what song gets the most hype before announcing the first single so yeah it doesn't seem like she has any music videos ready i i don't know it's interesting because in a lot of ways she promoted 1989 tv a lot more than she has the others like with the six different versions all these like you know, rollouts on her store for different special versions, for different merch. So it's like the rollout seemed more excessive, but then this post-release does seem a little bit more quiet and removed than I would have expected. So yeah, I I don't know. It's kind of weird. I guess you could sort of think of it in the other way of if it's Speak Now or Fearless that are these albums that are longer ago and maybe less popular that she feels like she needs to drum up more publicity for them with these extra sort of who's it's and what's it's where with this because she knows so many people love 1989 and it's a newer album she's like okay like great perfect we'll just do this one push it out and then like on to the next thing because she still has what two more of these yeah she has rep and debut and when does the era's tour end next like september (laughs) okay Okay, so I feel like it probably, like, maybe this is just me, but I feel like it makes sense that the last, that she would put out the last two Taylor's versions while she's on this, like, eras tour thing. And then, like, once all of that's done, it's like, okay, all of that passed. Now we're moving into another, like, that that's when she would move into something else. So maybe she is just sort of like, okay, yeah, like, let's get this done with and then on to the next thing. Also, maybe uh, she didn't like I this mean, era that much. Yeah, it was it was tough personally, but she she in her original post about this was like, these vault tracks are insane. They're some of my favorites. I can't wait for you to hear them. So I feel like she's not done with it. Like I feel like she will do a music video, but it's hard to imagine when because she's going back on tour um, next week, I think. And maybe she's just so in love that she couldn't even be like, 
father. Oh, yeah. She has to go to all these fucking football games. <laughs> yeah, she's flying to Kansas City like every other day. So, like, congrats to her. That is wild. Um, they got to break up yeah. soon, right? We think. I mean, I don't know. According to the according to the gossip mags, they are talking about children. So <laughs> I liked the interview where they where they asked how asked his mom what it was like sitting next to her in the press <laughs> box. She was like, "It's fine." Yeah, it was okay. his mom's unbothered. Well, what's also interesting is I'm sure um, that his parents are like, "This is the most annoying thing that has ever happened." No, they're not. They. What are you talking about? He he's making a ton of money. He's doing his best. Like he's playing his best. Like that's literally been proven. And so, in what sense would it be annoying to them? I mean, I just feel like if I had a child who was then dating this, like, I mean, I get he is famous, like in his own right, and then like. But then it's like you have all like now you have all of these random like tweens who are like coming up to you on the street and know who you are and know who your son like yeah I, I just feel like it's a lot Maybe. of publicity that you know some some like random midwestern parents who like raise their child to play football like are not necessarily ready <laughs> for it and like NFL fans I'm sure are insane but like a different level than Taylor yeah, Swift fans I mean, yeah. I mean, to be fair to Travis Kelsey at all, um, they are some of the bigger, like, faces and names, and they have their, you know, he had his TV show. I think the other son has some sort of, I don't know, vlog channel or something. They have their podcast. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely bigger now, but I don't think these are people who have been like, oh, I just don't like the, I don't like the attention. I just can't handle it. Right. But probably like his, his mom could go grocery shopping or whatever without being identified previously. Yeah, maybe. Where now I feel like, you know, the Swifties know who the people are who are like the Swifties know who Tree Payne is. Like, I yeah, like, yeah. do we know any other publicist in oh, the Oh, well, world? that's funny you should say because oh. Travis Kelsey's publicist, one of them. He has like a bunch. I don't know. But she posted, she reposted an Instagram story that was like, so someone posted an Instagram story for this person's birthday. And they were like, oh, happy birthday to our queen, you know? And it was a picture of her in the background of Taylor Swift's photo at the game. And over Taylor Swift's face was the clown emoji. And so it's unclear if the friend was the one who posted it with the clown emoji first and was like, happy birthday to the girl in the background type thing, or if this publicist added the clown emoji to further highlight like, oh, that's me back there. But either way, the internet is like, holy shit, like what kind of publicist would bring this sort of attention to themselves in the worst way by mocking, you know, or making fun of the Taylor Swift of it all by adding this clown emoji and already already people are like wow she's gonna get fired like this is just ridiculous I can't believe she would let her like personal life into this and the Swifties found out that she used to manage the you know social media for Scooter, Scooter Braun. Braun. Oh, <laughs> it all comes back to Scooter <laughs> So we'll have to see if I sort um, of love Scooter Braun. Uh, it's just like a <laughs> side character in all of these 
crazy things. Wait, we have spent so much time talking about next to nothing. Do we have any other (laughs) stories? Like, let me look at my list. Well, Matthew Perry passed away, which is sad. Yeah, but I don't really have anything else to say about that. No real details around that. Right. Um, But yeah, sad. They bumped Snow uh, White. Or Disney Disney bumped several movies, but including Snow White because of the strike, which I'm confused by, like... Like, they're bumping things, quote-unquote, because of the strike. But I'm like, what? Like, that movie, do- like, it doesn't come out till next year. Like, are they bumping it because of the publicity angle? Like, do they not think that it will be ready by then? Like, I'm, I'm Isn't confused. it like a ripple effect where it's like, oh, if they bumped this thing this year, then that changes next year's lineup? I don't know. Right. But that, to me, seems like all the more reason to keep things. Mm-hmm. Like, if they bump Snow... Like, I think they bump Snow White a year, so then a bunch of other stuff has to get bumped, too. And they were talking about, like, Deadpool 3. But, like, Deadpool 3 makes sense as to why that might need to get bumped because it's not finished shooting yet. Like, they still have to go in production. But I think that Snow White is done. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. I I guess, I I mean, unclear. I don't... I don't know. Yeah. But, so, the strike... The strike is ongoing. Uh, Also, Disney dumped um the Jonathan Majors movie that was supposed to come out this year as off the calendar. So Ooh. things are not looking I good. I was watching for him. Loki and Jonathan Majors is in it. Yes. Yes. Which I didn't it wasn't advertised very <laughs> I yeah. So I I read somewhere or another that basically like when they were shooting that they kind of felt like, okay, there's not enough details and such, so we have to move forward with this just because, like, we can't right. get rid of him right now. But that, I, I guess, I don't understand the logic of his character, but I think people have talked about how, like, oh, there's, like, different versions or, so, like, that they could yeah, that they yeah. could potentially recast it without being too weird. Yeah. Like, he could be in another form or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it was it was interesting watching him. It was kind of awkward, kind of like, huh, weird. But anyways, love it or hate it. Love it or hate it. The Britney love Spears it hate memoir. It. Yeah, The Woman and Me, Britney Spears. Um, I love a good celebrity memoir, and they're few and far between. Um, I liked this one, though. I think it's interesting. Like, she's very, you know, she she's very, like, no bullshit about it. Like, she's not, like, overly, you know, poetic in her writing she's very straightforward she's very sweet and like simple in how she explains things and talks about her feelings and I think that's what stood out the most is that it's just like this really I don't know like I don't want to sound like paternalistic or like infantilizing her but she just is like the thing that kept standing out is that she's just surprised by how little compassion people had for her like throughout her life and like how how like cruel people were and she's like I don't even know why I'm just like I'm just trying to do this thing like and I think a lot of times celebrity memoirs can feel like why is everyone picking on me like what did I do but obviously with Britney Spears's case there's like a lot to it and the way she writes about it is really interesting and vulnerable and like you said it's really short it's really accessible Michelle Williams does a great job reading it and you know emoting as necessary without feeling over the top or kind of you know soap opera-y and it was it was funny and sweet and obviously you have the headlines of like 
you know, Justin Timberlake and Colin Farrell and like all of this stuff that's getting the headlines. But at the heart of it, it's just like she just seems like this really sweet kid who was just like never given a chance to grow up with real care or thought or tenderness. And um, that's what she talks about towards the end is sort of this this stark difference in how people viewed her as this big ego and this like, you know, off the rails, crazy girl. But in reality, she's like, no, I was just clueless. Like she says multiple times, like, no, I wasn't manipulative. I was just stupid. Like, I just didn't think about it. And like, it doesn't feel like an excuse. It's just like, yeah, honestly, I didn't anticipate X, Y, or Z, or I was too trusting or like, I just thought there was no point. And like, she just seems like really sweet and you just want the best for her. And like, she admits that like people don't understand her social media now and she doesn't care. Like she just doesn't have to care anymore. And that's what's been liberating for her. And I think I understand it more like because it's easy to see it as sort of like a front or like this weird what's happening in her brain. But it's like, yeah, at the end of the day, it's not her business. She presents what she wants. And in this book, she she shares a lot. And she's just like, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like, it's just she has a really compelling voice, I think. And and it just it reads really kindly in a way you wouldn't expect when she's had so much thrown at her. And um, it, and it seems like a real call to just like give her a break, like really just like she's just happy to just have time to figure things out now. Well, I watched her documentary. Um, I, I want to say it was on like HBO or something. This was like the, the documentary came out uh, like maybe when like, circus no it was after that but i don't know it was like mm. it was it was not the like free britney documentary it was like a documentary yeah, yeah, yeah. about like her, her like comeback or whatever um i think when she was doing one of the vegas residencies and mm-hmm. in the whole thing she she did just seem like a lovely kind of naive almost like person yeah. who like very childlike like she mm-hmm. I think when we talk about the arrested development of like Taylor Swift, like yeah. the arrested development of Britney Spears, I think is younger and she's just like a less like cutthroat cunning kind of person. And so sort yeah. of just got taken along for all of these things and then tried to, I don't know, deal with the issues that she had maybe in not super constructive ways with like partying and whatnot. And I think also a lot of that just had to do with what people around her were like giving her or telling her. Um, and so, yeah, it is kind of, yeah. And she like owns all that. And she's also like, yeah, I wasn't actually like, she really lays it out in a way that's like the media was over hyping this, but also my family was over condemning like what I was doing. Like, sure. I was getting drunk, but I was also like 19 years old, like in Vegas, like, what do you want? And so it's like unapologetic, but also self-aware in a way that surprised me. And it wasn't defensive per se, even though she had a lot of righteous indignation, especially around how her family like eventually weaponized and then policed this sort of youthful exuberance. And so, yeah, I mean, it was sad to see how she just never had anyone safe to lean on. And like, that's why the Justin relationship like broke her up so bad. And, and then the Kevin, the Kevin relationship, like it just seemed like she just was like, 
Well, it's sort of disappointed rem- by the people around it her. It sort of reminds me of like Jessica Simpson and her memoir mm. to a certain extent, but I feel like Jessica Simpson maybe had like just didn't have quite as bad a people yeah. around. And also I think she was older by the time she got started. Yeah. Um but yeah, hmm. yeah. interesting. Okay. So it was good. Well, I would say you reading. guys sh- Yeah, you should read this for your book club <laughs> more than freaking um, I oh, love Julia Fox, so don't come for her. But um, <laughs> my love it this week is the TV show House of Villains, which I've been watching. It's oh, on yeah. E Network uh, randomly. It's basically they took 10 villains from other reality shows and put them all together in this house. And the, the you know, there's like competitions and they vote each other off, which is whatever. Um, and all of them are sort of like they're all professionals at reality TV. So they like know how to work the cameras. They like are making these moments and having outbursts that like sort of don't make that much sense sometimes. Like, like they, they want their, you know, viral hits, but something that the show does really cleverly, I think, which is sort of like F boy Island to a certain extent and like having Nikki Glazer be the host, but Joel McHale is the host and is sort of like making fun of them the whole time. And there's so much stuff with production where it's like, there's a scene in the first episode where they're supposed to be getting all of the villains together. Like they're supposed to all come outside and sort of stand on these steps and Joel McHale's supposed to introduce the show. And they're all such divas that they're like taking forever to get into place and they're talking over him and stuff. And so then they lose the light and they can't do the shoot. And they're like, okay, well, I guess like, thanks for that, everybody. And so then the next, but you like watch all of that happening. So you get to see all of these, um, these reality stars like kind of shot in a way that I think that they're unprepared for, which is fun because they think like, okay, I'm not on like camera really. So like I can, I don't have to be doing something or I can be kind of a bitch. And it's like, Oh no, actually like this is all on camera. Like we are filming (laughs) all of this. Um, And yeah, just some of the challenges and stuff. I don't know. It's, it's pretty entertaining. And I, famously love Omarosa and Mm. she is you know just doing her best weird thing that she does and Johnny Fair plays on there and I don't know I don't know all of the villains but they're like a pretty entertaining group I think are any of them like redeeming themselves or are they all just well so I think that's some of them they're all there for kind of different reasons. Like there are definitely a couple of them who I think are there as an attempt at redemption. But I think that most of them are sort of just there for like the money or they like being famous and this was offered to them. But the guy from Vanderpump Rules, who I think I, I don't watch Vanderpump Rules, but my understanding is that when he was on that show he cheated on his wife or his girlfriend a ton of times and was just like basically cheating with everybody and that since then he has gotten married to her and they now have kids and so I think that he's trying to sort of prove himself as like that was a younger version of me like now I'm sort of a nice guy but otherwise I think he's really the only one who's like on a on a rehab <laughs> image rehab mission. But that's because yeah. I think most of the people on the show are like 
villains as in reality TV show villains, but not like real right, life right. villains. You know, like Johnny Fairplay said that his grandma died on Survivor so that he could win a reward challenge. But it's like that's different than like, you know, cheating on your girlfriend. Right. Speaking of Survivor, have you watched yet? No, I haven't watched it. I know this is the I one season thoughts. that you're watching and I'm like, nope, haven't, haven't caught up. Well, I'm not watching anymore, um, so. Oh, did your friend get voted off or whatever? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll have to take this off. Uh, okay. I mean, I don't know who they are, so just don't tell me who the person is. And so I'll, I'm not spoiled, but uh, wait, you didn't. So your friend got voted off and you don't feel enough sort of obsession no. with the show that you want to watch the rest of the season? No. It's too much gameplay. Like, if it was just watching people, like, struggle through mud, maybe. Well, but it's like there's 40 minutes of just them talking about They're also, what, an know. hour and a half episodes now because of the yes. strike? So I'm sure that that's a different dynamic. I'll be interested to watch this. Yeah, it's, it runs long, okay. I feel. Okay. <laughs> well. But anyways. Uh, this is great. We'll be back on Thursday to talk about Priscilla, the Elvis movie. Um, and yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. See ya. Bye.